Chapter 6.1 Alternate Endings Some of my favorite parts of movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High are seeing all the Where Are They Now montages at the end of the film. I also love blooper reels and seeing all the unused takes that didn't make it into the final film, that in some cases are even better than the movie as a whole. Creating this book was a lot like taking a trip down memory lane, from the dark and scary bad sections of the lane to the bright, sunny, Disney-fied parts of town. But through it all, one question kept popping up. What if? Here are a couple what-ifs that crossed my mind. Perhaps you can relate to those times when it was heads or tails, and everything that followed in your life was based on the tumble of a single coin. Maybe it's time for you to flip one and change the course of your life today. If you like these what-ifs as much as I do, we included some more at the very end of the book. Some are fun, some are dumb, some are dark, and some are just one decision shy of being my reality. What if I took a deal for Scotty Vest on Shark Tank? Hello? I said into my cell phone in the back room of the Shark Tank set. I got through to Waz, and he had some sage advice for me. Make a deal. I walked back into the Shark Tank knowing what I had to do. I was going to make a deal, one that included Tech and Scotty Vest, but I wasn't just going to take the first deal offered. I was going back in to negotiate. They only showed about two minutes of it on the screen, but in reality, the offers and counteroffers flew for 20 minutes. Kevin and Robert were making some headway, or, in other words, they were starting to see things from my perspective. The deal on the table evolved from them joining forces for a million dollars and 30% of my company to a million and a half for 20%. Another catch. Since they considered the retail part of the business to be the valuable chunk, we were now talking about Scott Evest only. Tech would not be part of the deal anymore. The cat was out of the bag, and I said Scott Evest at least 30 times. The word made it on air six times, and traffic and sales went through the roof. But just as we were about to close the deal, there was a Shark Tank turnaround. Mark Cuban opened his mouth and said that he wanted to be part of the deal. He said he'd back me, but I had to decide in 30 seconds. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Of course, the deal came with stipulations. Since I was so good at defending patents, I had to be willing to protect all of Mark's, too. He wanted to keep me under his thumb. I was about to participate in a four-way with Mark Cuban. We all shook hands on it, and unlike a surprising number of Shark Tank deals that fall apart in the details after the cameras stop rolling, we actually went into business. Kevin and Robert contributed contacts and cash, but Mark was a very active partner. He still gave me shit about my bullshit patent, but I always reminded him about how much that bullshit patent was part of the magic behind Scotty Vest making money for all of us. The courtside seats were a nice perk, but the private jet picking me up for the game was even better. Flying into Sun Valley to drop me off one day, Cuban realized something. This was a very beautiful place. He had been making more money than ever before, partially thanks to the global clothing brand we had been building as a team, but life was burning him out. There was something fun and serene about the mountains around Sun Valley, something that reminded him of happier days. It struck him that he needed to live here, and he quickly bought a home. Of course, like any mountain town that has active seasons and quiet seasons, he needed something to keep him occupied and socially engaged year-round, so we went back to his roots and opened a disco. 
Reaching back into his distant past, he once again picked up the mantle of Disco Dance Instructor. He seemed to be having fun again, but the tabloids weren't kind. He became distracted by what I could call only Saturday Night Fever and began neglecting his everyday duties. I have no idea how he could have fallen so far, so fast, but he even reached the point where he asked me for a loan. I think it was for a laser-lighted disco ball for the club, which had lost money hand over fist and foot over feet since day one. I offered to buy out his shares of Scott Evest at a healthy discount. It was the least I could do to help him keep some shred of whatever dignity he had left. After some hemming and hawing, I eventually staged a hostile takeover of all his properties. In other words, I won. What if I took Laura up on her offer to support me while I became a yoga instructor? Hello? I said into my desk phone when it rang with the gentle sound of a meditation gong. I hadn't touched a cell phone in a year. I'm very sorry, but all of our classes and seminars are filled up. Might I suggest you look into one of our DVD programs? I rarely answered the phone anymore, but when I did, it was usually someone trying desperately to get into one of my yoga classes or seminars. Following the dozens of articles about me, the lawyer who gave up the law to become a yoga instructor, I was already spread too thin. I had become a guru of sorts for lawyers who hated their jobs and were seeking inner peace. They said the DVDs helped, but there's nothing like learning yoga in person. It had only been a couple years since Laura offered to support me while I became a yoga instructor if that is what I felt my calling to be. A few months of training and certification later, and I was officially there. But what really set me apart was my story. I told that story about being miserable and finding peace at least a thousand times. It had been my inspiration and passion, but lately it was starting to wear on me. Nearly all of my students were lawyers. I told them that all of the meditation and yoga in the world won't save them if they keep going back into the belly of the beast. The pressure of being the sole source of inspiration and passion started to grind down on me, and my studios started to look like the law offices I hated. Despite the money, which was great, I knew I had to do something else. I had to follow a higher calling. It wasn't enough for me to just be a messiah for lawyers leading them into a better life with a more flexible back and stylish, Scott Jordan branded of course, yoga mats under their arms. I had come to a hard decision, but a necessary one. Yoga was an interesting departure from the law, but I had to pursue my destiny. It was time for me to change careers and become a champion breeder of poodles. About two weeks into my new career, I realized it's all done by hand, so now I own a McDonald's franchise, my favorite restaurant. Currently, I am the only McDonald's franchise holding out and still selling supersized fries. Would you like fries with that? It's still better than practicing law. What if writing this book got me on Colbert, Kimmel, Fallon, and The Daily Show with Jon Stewart? To quote Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka from the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Don't forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he ever wanted. He lived happily ever after. Epilogue. Measuring Back. The journey from starting this book to finishing it was actually pretty short. Having a few false starts during the initial phases cut into our time, but it was essentially written in just four weeks. Of course, writing it was just the beginning. 
Many hours were spent editing, fact-checking, creating graphics, and formatting it for various outlets through which it is available. Writing is not an end unto itself. Regardless of how quickly I put words on the page, the ultimate goal was to have people read the book, and more importantly, to like it. Originally, I only viewed writing the book as a means to an end, but in the course of creating it, it has become so much more than that. The process reminded me of the first things I did to become successful, and how measuring back to them from time to time is how I can stay successful. Everyone reading this has that same need to measure back, and I suggest you exercise it often. There's a common thread I've discovered among all the most successful people I've met. Passion. Having it is not enough. You need to express it, own it, share it, and embrace it. I was fortunate enough to learn this lesson early, and it's been a driving force for Scott Evest. Sometimes, that's all you have to keep you going, and sometimes, that's all you need. Being a passionate promoter is based on, drumroll please, having an abundance of passion. Owning a business does not require passion. Owning a wildly successful business that people want to connect with on a deep level does. Knowing which variety of entrepreneur you want to be is a good start toward fulfilling your potential in life, love, and business. So, in my final words to you, unless you decide to read the deleted scenes next, I hope you were entertained by this book, by my ups and downs. Well, I hope you didn't enjoy my downs too much. I'm still pushing the envelope. I'm still working fast and moving fast, but my goal is for Scott Evest to become as much of a well-oiled machine as possible. In the same way that I've found my ideal role, I want to help my employees find their own clarity and personal freedom, and I want to see how much more personal freedom I can experience too. Fairly recently, I forgave my father. I don't hate him anymore. I know that regardless of the method, he was ultimately the force that pushed me to succeed. I did attempt to reconcile with him when I moved to Sun Valley, but it fell on deaf ears. Three short months later, when I was standing outside the press room at the Consumer Electronics Show, my sister called me to tell me he died. I was on the cusp of my dream, and he never saw me achieve it. I discovered that I was indeed mentioned in his will, just not in any way I would want to be mentioned. The document stated, For the purposes of this will, my children shall exclude Scott. In a legal document, his final legal document, he defined his children to specifically exclude me. I was shocked and hurt in a way I had never and could never have been hurt before. It took a lot of time, but I've finally gotten over it. Getting to live the life I love is much better than harboring resentment. To me, that's winning. If you enjoyed the book, please tell someone about it. Let's see what you learned about being a passionate promoter. If you have any comments or want to interview me for your top-rated primetime talk show, hint, hint, I'm easy to reach. Email me at scott at scottevest.com or call my cell 208-806-1472. Clearly, I'm constantly on social media, so don't be shy about reaching out. Tell me what you think about the book. I'll do my best to get back to everyone. Be passionate.